views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili, epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. Now here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hey, everybody, welcome. I am so thrilled to be coming and being able to talk with you uh, here in a different capacity. For those of you that know me from the Dr. Pat show or or some of the other shows that I do, this is a very special hour in radio for me. Um, it is something that we decided to do years and years and years ago. Uh, we actually uh, created a home for Lime Talk Radio and also before this Limelight Radio. We decided we were going to come out in the world. And despite anything that was out there, the controversy about it, uh, back in 2005, Dr. Darvish and I decided we were going to come out in the state of Washington and talk about Lyme disease, a state that to this day still will not post on their human services website that Lyme disease exists in the state of Washington. And as a matter of fact, I'm really going to be getting together with Susan Green to see what we can do to have them change that. Many of you have heard me kind of joke about it a little bit as to how I'm I'm baffled by how that tick just knows not to cross from Idaho uh, or Oregon into, into Washington state. I mean, they are just a smart little bugger, aren't they? But today... We're here to share another story of inspiration. And, you know, I want to say that Eliza and I were talking before coming on air about how very grateful we are, how very grateful we are to be able to be here and talk with you. Today, I want to introduce you to Eliza Hemingway for a lot of reasons. Here's why. One, it is to introduce you to Paris in Oakland a story of hope, faith, and perseverance, how one family overcame Lyme disease. And yes, one family overcame Lyme disease. I know in her mind, in my mind, and in our hearts, and all of you, we want to change that narrative to maybe one million, one million families. That's why we're here today. A little bit about Eliza is that you know, she is somebody that understands the world of media in an extraordinary way. You know, she's worked in photography. She's worked in film. She's worked on radio, founder and director of Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival. And, you know, here we are. You know, she is also the director and documentary field of Uncommon Knowledge, uh, closing the books at UC Berkeley Extension. I mean, there's so many things I could say about her, you know, whether She's been out there in the world with film, you know, whether she has been on radio shows like this, talking about, you know, what it is we can be more mindful about 
But I want to say when it comes to Lyme disease, we need a massive global awakening here. And that is the work that we're planning to do. So today, as usual, I want you to know this is a live call-in show, 1-800-930-2819, 1-800-930-2819. We are taking your calls. For those of you that are not able to call in, we've made it super easy. You can go to transformationtalkradio.com. And right there on the home page, just go on where you see the player on the right, just click on that and you'll be able to type your questions in and we will get them right on air. But right now, let's fasten our seatbelts and take this journey. Take this journey with Eliza, take this journey with young Catherine through the battle of her life, a battle that we hear all too often right now. That battle is with Lyme disease. Eliza, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. I really appreciate you uh, bringing me on today. Well, I really appreciate you telling the story. I I want to go back for a minute, if you could just go back in time with me. Um, And I was sharing before we came on, I was saying to you that, uh, and I guess it is 10 years now. My gosh, I can't believe it. No, it's actually longer than 10. Um, That Dr. Darvish and I we decided we were going to talk about this thing called Lyme disease, which wasn't being talked about very much because she, as uh, someone that has since saved the lives of so many people, we discovered that there was a big conversation to have about it, that it wasn't a disease that was just in Connecticut. It was something now that was, was cropping up everywhere. But everyone, as we know, now has a story. Many people are not here to tell it. I want to ask you, how important is this story to you? How important was it to tell this story? It was vitally important to me. I mean, I just feel on so many levels, I felt called to tell this story. I felt equipped to tell this story that my life led up to this moment of telling this story with my background that you had mentioned earlier in Mm -hmm. creative nonfiction storytelling. And then here I went through this battle with my daughter who was sick for so long and it was so hard to watch her suffer, but in the midst of her suffering, having to navigate a medical nightmare of doctors who are so opposing each other that you're as a mother, as a patient, you're caught in the middle of a, medical controversy, controversy, and you have this divide that you have to navigate where one set of doctors who have all kinds of um, science behind them and medical experience behind them are telling you one thing, and another set of doctors are telling you the complete opposite. And as a patient or as a mother or as just somebody who is advocating for someone, you have to navigate through that. And that just, I remember just not feeling so lost in that and really needing stories of hope and needing stories that were uplifting and of people coming out on the other side. Okay. Um, when I was doing research about Lyme disease, when my daughter was first diagnosed, I want to ask you about this. If we can talk about that, uh, let's just stop for a moment and say, you know, when I did research on Lyme disease, when my daughter, I I want to start Mm -hmm. right there because today in the world, you and I can sit here and say, Yeah, we can go online and do research on Lyme disease, and we're going to get a lot of stories today. But I will tell you that 11 years ago, uh, if I go back to 2004, nope, wasn't there. And, you know, I want to ask you, 
what that journey was like for you. And the reason this is so important is because there are many people that listen to the show from all over the world, by the way, and may or may not have the kind of resources we're talking about. I would love for you to take us on a journey of what that research was like for you. Well, it was twofold. I did what most people do in the modern world, which is I went to Google and I started uh, looking up <laughs> Lyme disease. Yeah. And, and I, I had a cold, rude awakening that that was when I realized, and also talking to people who are running Lyme disease um, support groups locally of just kind of falling into that, wow, what does it mean for a disease to be controversial? That was a new concept to me. And so I did what a lot of people do, and I watched the documentary film Under Our Skin, yeah. which I can't speak highly enough of. Um, I just felt like as I was watching that story, it was the first time that I really felt like I was hearing my daughter's story in some of the characters there, and, and it was starting to make sense. Um, but I found myself twofold. One was that the more I researched, the more I was filled with fear. And there was one story in particular that really got to me. And that was a 14-year-old girl who had been diagnosed with Lyme disease. It was on a Yahoo support group for moms with kids with Lyme disease. And I thought, well, they'll have great information. And the first challenge was that I felt like I was learning a new language, and I didn't know what any of them were talking about. So there is this learning curve with Lyme terms that I was trying to figure out. But the second part of it was the despair and devastation and anger that people were feeling rightfully so, but this one story of this 14-year-old girl who was living in Rhode Island with her mother, and she had lost all of her facilities as far as her, it was neurological for her, yeah. and she was functioning like an Alzheimer's patient. And mm -hmm. she, her mother described her as formerly this bright, smart, vivacious child who was just lying in a dark room. It was just so devastating. And she had lost all of her money trying to pay medical bills. Their house was in foreclosure. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have heat. And this story just, it felt so devastating to me. And I felt like I couldn't carry it and I couldn't help her. I do a lot of praying and I prayed for them and I still pray for them. But it, it showed me that I needed to shut out some of the noise and focus on, focus on things that would that were not fear-based for me. Uh, I needed to focus on information. The more I got these stories that were devastating and hard, the more I gave into fear. And what I needed yeah. was faith and strength. Totally. And so I became very discerning about what I watched and what I read and who I listened to. And I went to my Lyme literate doctor, the one who was working with my daughter, and I asked her, what books do you recommend? And I got a list of books and that was, that was what I read, was what she recommended. And I just started shutting out some of what I call the noise of because it gets so extreme. And that was for me. Other people need, you know, they need all of those groups and that support and that helps them. But for me, it fostered a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get very discerning about what I took in. Well, I had a very similar journey, and I'm glad we're actually talking about this. We're going to take a short break here, mm -hmm. Eliza. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how did that approach bring you to the place you are today? How did mm -hmm. it help you write this book? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is it that we're now seeing and, and really looking for in terms of changing the landscape? You know, Lime Talk Radio, this show that everybody, y'all are listening to, this is a show of inspiration. It's also a show on bringing conversations to the forefront. And, you know, having each of you 
step forth and have a voice. But I know for myself, kind of like Eliza just shared is, you know, after showing that film, as many of us say, it was a breakthrough film. After showing that film to my partner at the time, literally ended the relationship. Because after you face Lyme disease in the face, without what Eliza's talking about, it could go downhill really quickly. So if you're interested in hearing about how to rise up, you know, how to look at what you believe in in life, how to call upon that which you perhaps cannot see, today's show's for you. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you feeling stagnant or blocked in your love life, career, health, or finances? Experiencing difficulty focusing or setting and achieving goals? Tune in to Spiritual Diagnostics Radio with psychic visionary healers Carol Dorian and Suzanne Evans. Discover the cause and effect of unwanted patterns in life. Tune in every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit spiritualdeed.com. Francine Vale is a being of light. She believes that all people of planet Earth are as well. As co-host of the Angel Healer Radio Show, Francine teaches you heart-centered ways to manifest healing on your own behalf and how to integrate love more fully into your daily life. Connect with your angels as you find your life flowing with ease and harmony. Walk the path of light with Francine and Dr. Pat Basili every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Welcome to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of the Dr. Pat Show, and I am so thrilled that we've created this venue for all of you out there. Dr. Pat Basile will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. What we have heard is that you want to ensure for us that we keep positive, holistic, uplifting, transformative talk radio on the air. We're excited to bring you the contemporary conversations about Lyme disease. We promise not to let the light fade on Lyme. So fasten your seat belts. We've got lots more to share with you in the weeks to come. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio with Dr. Pat and help keep our mission strong on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Get ready to rid yourself of all that is weighing you down and holding you back from living the life you want for yourself. Coming Clean, The Art of Transparency with Katherine Moss is a hit show for women in recovery who are ready to live life on purpose. Tune in and let Katherine help you live your truth one day at a time. Live each Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and Transformation Time. Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Welcome back to Lime Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, uh, also the host of the Dr. Pat Show. You know, I've got uh, fabulous, fabulous, for those of you out there, Paris and Oakland. I, and we're going we're, we're gonna to ask Eliza much more about it. But Eliza, before we go jump back into the conversation, because um, we, this is really something we're passionate about, I would love for you to let folks know, first of all, how they can get a copy of the book, but also how they can find out more about you. Sure. Well, it's easy to get a copy of the book. It's available on Amazon. You can just uh, go on to amazon.com anywhere in the world. There's different ones for different countries. Um, And just type in Paris and Oakland, and it should come up. You can also order it from your local bookstore. So any local bookstore, you can order it through them if you prefer to support local uh, businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also just go on to Facebook, and Eliza QH is my author's page. And you can get updates, reviews, um, or you can email me, ElizaHemingway at gmail.com. So any of those ways, you can get in touch with me. And I would love to hear from you. If people have questions, they're free to email me um, at that address. Awesome. Um, You know, there are many things that I can call upon from the book. Um, But before the break, we wanted to give folks a little bit of a history around what the journey's like. I think it's important to talk about it. The book clearly does that. Um, but I, I had as well um, looked at, at the time for me, what was available, what was being said. But if you want to go back in time, it's not what was being said. It was, wasn't, it's what wasn't being said. And yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, where was it? you were able to find your strength and hope in this journey? Because it is a journey. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy answer for me. For me, it's 100% in Jesus. I am a Christian. Mm -hmm. I go to church. I go to Bible study, and I pray every single day. And so for me, that is exactly where I found my strength. And that's where I was able to have guidance one step at a time through the process was just praying, 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 And it was a prayer journey and it was a faith journey. And so I can't separate that from Mm -hmm. our story and my daughter's story and her her entire healing. Um, And I know that you're mind, body, spirit. And for us, that was a big part of it um, Mm -hmm. because I am very strong in my faith. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a mind, body, spirit. It's got a picture of Jesus on my desk. But I will tell Mm -hmm. you, I did give him a third eye. Um, mm-hmm. just, just to kind of mention that, because I think what happens for us is, and I, and I want to talk about this for a minute with a disease like this, it is an enormous opportunity for our faith to be challenged. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying about it? Absolutely. It, yeah. It's, it's it hard for me way, to explain. 
and I want you to explain it because it really challenges everything you believe. Well, I think for me, the and I quote this um, from this devotional in the book, mm-hmm. Paris and Oakland, but for me, mm-hmm. um, the devotional Streams in the Desert was the best devotional I ever read about reconciling suffering with spirituality. And mm-hmm. and my daughter had what I call, and, and biblically is, the peace that passes understanding. She had this incredible peace throughout her illness, regardless of her pain scale, which was oftentimes in almost every moment, very, very high. But watching the person you love most in this world suffer is a whole nother kind of suffering. And so Lyme disease, it just affects the people who love the person who's going through it very profoundly and very differently than it affects the person who's in that state of chronic pain and sickness. Um, so I, I just think that um, faith is just, it's, it's not looking at things as flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And when I would, when we talked about earlier about reading books and reading websites and reading stories and getting fear-based of all the what ifs that can happen with Lyme disease, and there's a lot of them and they're really, really scary. For me, I had to pull back from that and think, you know what, what's going to happen to her is going to happen to her. And I have no control over that. I have no control over which symptoms she gets which manifestations of Lyme disease she has. Mm. And so that was kind of a little bit freeing, but at the same time, it just, again, every time I went down the fear path, it fear is the opposite of faith and faith is where we have strength to just move forward. Mm. I, I have to tell you that in reading the book, uh, I, I mean, I can't tell you the times that, uh, you know, this, this brought tears to my eyes hmm. and, and I can re- recall one part of the book and I, and I want to, I want to just be really clear for people that perhaps haven't heard what this journey is like for, for, uh, uh, uh for a youngster. Uh, but it is like this for many, many people. However, I, I, I just think it's important. I remember in the book where you were writing about the shots, the shots were mm-hmm. too painful. Right. Um, And just that sentence, the shots were too painful to continue long term. Just that sentence alone. I I mean, it just brought back for me some of what the journey was like and how painful some of the we don't exactly know how to help. But let's try this isms. Right. Right. How much of that do you did you go through? And, uh, you know, and, and how was this for you knowing how painful this actually was? It, the shots were painful, but, but having a bedridden daughter and her, and, you know, to give people a little overview of her story, um, she crawled into bed her freshman year of high school. She was a straight A student on the debate team. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is after many years of illness, but this is when it reached its crisis point and she didn't get out for nine months. And so to watch her just deteriorate so quickly and so profoundly, the shots were so painful, but it was more painful to just live in what I called the Lyme coma. Just the, what everybody who knows Lyme is familiar with the pulling the shades down the darkened room, the pain scale, six, seven, eight, nine, the not being able to function in life and it feels like a downward spiral. So by the time she had 
the intermuscular shots, that level, that level of pain was nothing compared to the pain she was experiencing every minute of every day. Mm. And she was a 14-year-old girl when she had those shots. And yeah. I remember the nurse saying that she had these big burly guys come in and they were in tears over them. And here, my 14 year old daughter, she was a trooper. And she, like I said, had this incredible piece about her. And, um, and I think that helped me watching her suffer was how, just how grounded and level-headed and able she was to walk through it. And, and for her, it was always, there's a purpose in this and she knew there was a purpose in it. And so she was willing to go through it, knowing that in the long run, maybe something good could come out of it for other people. She just knew that there was a reason for her to be sick and she accepted that. Mm -hmm. I didn't accept it. I didn't have that kind of grace. (laughs) Mm. I want to ask you a question. All along the journey, I know I can recall that angels showed up all along the way. Mm-hmm. Now, I may yeah. not have seen them quite that way uh, at mm-hmm. the moment, uh, but certainly shortly thereafter, I remember saying more times than I can imagine. And, you know, you know, the people closest to me that have been on this journey with me, you know, when I was looking at a wheelchair in 2009, I could always reflect, wow, ma, that nurse was an angel. Wow, that doctor was an angel. Wow, that IV person was an angel. Wow, that minister, pastor was an angel. Can you reflect upon the angels that you that showed up in, in along the way for you all? Well, we had a constant answer to prayer in that mm-hmm. regard of just having people come alongside us when things would feel like they were at their worst or they fell apart or there was no hope in one area. Um, again, going back to that spirit part of just praying and God just opening a door and something else working out. Um, and this just happened over and over again. Anybody who has a child with Lyme disease will know how much it affects their schooling. And so that was one area where we just went through a little nightmare scenario. It wasn't a little, it was big at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Her high school no longer wanted to accommodate her um, because it really required a lot of, it required a one teacher coming to our house for home and hospital. And they said that they were no longer able to accommodate it. This is just one example. And so we ended up on this journey of her having no high school, no education. And I never could imagine how can you have a sick kid and nobody, nobody wants her in their school. Mm -hmm. Everybody said, Oh, Mm -hmm. we're full closed doors. And finally um, a woman overheard us, a teacher, and she, she advocated for my daughter and, Um, And she's been her teacher ever since. And she's been absolutely wonderful. So every time we kind of hit those brick walls and we're turned in another direction, I just saw over and over again, answers to prayers. And that really helped us through. And, and it provided, we were provided for every step of the way, even in the midst of what felt hopeless. Were you shocked to find out how controversial Lyme disease uh, was? I mean, everything from diagnosis to the journey? I was absolutely stunned. I went to my daughter's healthcare provider excited that we had finally figured out like this is, I, you know, it all, all the pieces of the puzzle came together and Lyme disease seemed so clear. And I was so excited to go and say, look, this, this makes sense. Can we look into this? And my daughter um, has Kaiser in California. And I know Mm. it's different for people all over uh, the country and even the world. 
But every time I mentioned Lyme disease and Kaiser to one of the doctors, it was as though I had fired off a shotgun next to a horse. They just went on their hind heels and, you know, suddenly the whole conversation shifted. And that was a shock to me. Um, It's, it's, you know, it's unthinkable that a disease would be controversial and that you, and we talked about this a little bit on the break, but what I always liken it to when I've, I've thought and thought and thought about this, because the person who's most compromised in this divide is the patient. And I think of these two camps of the Lyme doctors and then the Kaiser type doctors as being like parents in the midst of a divorce. And they're so stuck in their paradigms and they're so stuck in their ways that they cannot come together for the sake of, of the patient and for the best interest of the patient. And I really felt along our entire journey that if these two camps would just come together and work with each other and, you know, take some of what Western medicine has to offer. And a lot of what, ironically, the Lyme doctors are doing is Western medicine. A lot of what we were getting prescribed <laughs> at Kaiser was have her see an acupuncturist and a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lyme doctor was saying, give her antibiotics. So it gets really confusing for a patient to navigate when you have this kind of extremes and you have this kind of divide and you have this kind of controversy and in the middle is the person you love most or yourself trying to navigate it. It's, it's really, this is going on for patients. Uh, it is not only extraordinary, but it is a story, a story that must be told. We're going to take a short break and we come back, you know, Eliza is going to take us into the depth and breadth of, of how these journeys go. You know, what happens when you've been down the pathway? Where do you put your faith? And then most importantly, how can you rise up? How can you rise up and express the nature of the journey in a way that will help countless others? That's what she has done. That's what this story is about. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready for a game changer? Sarah Westall is bringing you Business Game Changers Radio. Sarah brings you leading experts, visionaries, and newsmakers who provide the best commentary on big issues and cutting-edge innovations. Sarah's 20 years as a business executive will help you think like an entrepreneur with expertise, energy, and attitude. Tune in to Business Game Changers Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Sky Siegel co-hosts one of today's most popular psychic shows, Angels and Answers, with Artie Hoffman as she communicates healing messages from the spirit world. These messages can be astounding, enlightening, and life-changing. Born with the God-given talent of inner guidance and the amazing ability to heal, Sky has healed thousands of people. Schedule a reading with Sky now. Call 908-500-1474 and visit skyofangels.com. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Welcome to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of the Dr. Pat Show, and I am so thrilled that we've created this venue for all of you out there. Dr. Pat Basile will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. What we have heard 
is that you want to ensure for us that we keep positive, holistic, uplifting, transformative talk radio on the air. We're excited to bring you the contemporary conversations about Lyme disease. We promise not to let the light fade on Lyme. So fasten your seatbelts. We've got lots more to share with you in the weeks to come. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio with Dr. Pat and help keep our mission strong on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine, and my show is Sheer Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. When we're bogged down with our emotions, the hardships that plague us in our relationships, at work, our finances, we literally can't see the higher plane where we could be operating from. Tune in to Leslie Fontaine, Sheer Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Brand consultant and coach Jen Morgan is here with Radically Distinct Radio to help maximize your brand's power to produce results. Whether you're a person with a dream and unsure where to start or a CEO of a successful company wondering what's next, Jen Morgan and the RAD method empowers you to play to your strengths and focus your competitive edge so you can show up in the world as your most powerful brand. Go to jenmorgan.com or call 206-972-5366. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for joining us here at Lime Talk Radio. Uh, it is great having Eliza joining me here today. For those of you that missed me talking about this, the book is called Paris in Oakland. Uh, Eliza Hemingway joining me here today. And um, Eliza is going to give you more information about how you can get a copy of the book, uh, as well as how you can find out more about you know, joining in in the conversation. Let's go ahead and do that first, if we could. Um, again, please give out your Facebook and, uh, of course folks can get the book in Amazon, but give out your Facebook page. Sure. Um, it's, it's Facebook, Eliza QH, Eliza Q Hemingway. So Eliza QH and just Facebook slash Eliza QH and feel free to message me. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions or whatever. Just feel free to go on my Facebook page and, uh, you can find out updates about the book, where to get it, any of that information there. Let's talk about writing the book and uh, writing this book and sharing very, very personal stories and information and sharing them in a way. And and I will say, and I said this before, Liza, you know, points in time in reading this, you, the tears just fill my eyes. There's no question about it. Mm. But it had to be written this way because I think we are sugarcoating this disease ad nauseum. And uh, it is not the kind of thing that can be sugarcoated. It is an epidemic that is far uh, from, uh, you know, what what I think the real numbers are, exceed the HIV virus. I mean, we can go on and on about it. And there's yet such denial. Why was it important to write this book this way? Because this is a very personal and descriptive journey. And I would love to know, um, you know, how was it that this came to you to be written this way? 
Well, that's a really good question. Nobody's actually asked me that question before, but I fell back on my documentary film experience. So I wrote it like a film. And a lot of times people tell me that they need to read it in one sitting and it reads to them cinematically. So I drew on my documentary film experience and I drew on creative nonfiction storytelling, but my reason for writing it, you know, I was actually, it was a year out of my daughter's illness and I was thinking about, okay, I had to um, pause work full-time to take care of her. And I was thinking, what am I going to do to go back into the full-time workforce? And I was thinking about maybe taking some computer classes to update my skills. And every time I prayed about it, I just got one word that I thought, which was right. And so while my daughter was taking a class at the junior college, I went into their library and I just wrote it. And I really only went as far as writing it. It was so personal. And I was actually very private during her illness. I wasn't sharing it on Facebook or there was even people in my life who didn't know that she was sick or as sick as she was or close friends who, when they read the book, were surprised that it was as intense a story as it was, because I do tend to be more private. Um, But writing it was sort of the easy part. I took nine months to edit it, and I really was very careful that every sentence, every phrasing, every thought was just really thought out and spoken in a way that would reach into people's hearts and really help them to see what this disease is like, but also to encourage their faith as well. And there were several points where I got cold feet and thought, how am I going to put out publicly this story of my daughter um, and our life and that it is so personal and my personal faith too. And I ran into a woman who knew I was writing the book and she said, I'm so glad you wrote this book. She said, I have a friend and her daughter had Lyme disease. And this is a hard one. So brace yourself. Her daughter committed suicide because it was so unbearable. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm so glad you're writing this book because there needs to be stories of hope. And that between her and the 14-year-old girl I talked about earlier, those two stories have stayed with me and have been a driving force for me that I really want nobody to hear about Lyme disease and not have a story of hope and not believe that you never know what's going to happen tomorrow and that things can change in an instant and to have perseverance. And so, um, so writing the book was one process, but the reason why I actually put it out publicly for people to read and published it was for that one girl and her family. And so that nobody else would be in that position. Um, if if I had anything to do with it and my little throwing the rock into the pond way. Mm. Well, you know, I think that that's what you and I do. You know, we don't know um, what that's going to look like. But when the one thing that we do know is that when you do throw a rock in the pool, it creates a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And then if there are enough of us that are throwing the rock in the pool and we have enough of a ripple effect. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we have now people out in the world that are saying, we just cannot go on like this, Uh, that somehow, some way, um, you know, there might be a way to get the attention of the people that are in power positions to do something about it. I wanted to ask you a question about uh, why you believe perhaps it's so difficult to get the people together that have success stories and come together to say, listen, why are we blocking the way to have some of these success stories brought to the forefront? 
you know, why are we not listening to the fact that maybe a holistic spray that you spray under your tongue combined with ionized pH water can literally uh, obliterate infections in the body? I mean, these are the kinds of things when people hear them, they say, oh, my God, there is another one of those, you know, those uh, uh, poisonous lotions that you're trying to sell us. But I wanted to ask you this is, didn't you have to search on both sides of the aisle to get some answers here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was, I tended to be more conservative going in about medicine. I stuck with Mm -hmm. uh, her, the HMO model for a long time, thinking they Mm -hmm. were going to have the answers and thinking that they really had her best interest at heart um, as far as finding out what was going on. It, It was a It was a shock to me to discover that that model of medicine, the whole paradigm of that model of medicine is to treat symptoms, and there isn't really an incentive to look for the underlying issues. I was always on the search of, well, what's causing this? Why would all of a sudden she be having this symptom and that symptom and this symptom? But in, in the way medicine is being taught and practiced right now, that's just not part of the general way of thinking. And I had to learn terms like functional medicine, which takes into (laughs) account the whole body and looks at underlying causes. But it was surprising to me that this just wasn't medicine, that all medicine is in functional medicine. Um, It's a huge question why, why nobody's, and I think people are starting to integrate the two. I definitely went to a more conventional Lyme literate doctor. I went to somebody Mm -hmm. who was an MD, Um, It was important to me that my daughter was seen by an MD. So I didn't, you know, in my own comfort zone, it took a while for me to, um, you know, with the herbs and even acupuncture, my daughter still goes to an acupuncturist. Uh um, And, and, you know, so it it took a while for me to kind of understand and appreciate the benefits of some of what's considered alternative medicine. Um, But in fact, some of these alternative medicines have been practicing have been in practice for thousands of years. Effectively. Oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that we come up with that term? Yeah. You know, isn't it really, it, don't you find, this is what I find fascinating as I'm listening to this, because I, I too, uh, um, you know, we have to make choices that we make right now, because if we don't make them, you will get no treatment because insurance mm-hmm. does not cover whatever you want to say about Lyme disease. And I know Massachusetts just passed a law to do something, but this is now not so much about healing. You know, mm-hmm. it is about how are you going to get things paid for? And I know you've heard these stories from mm-hmm. people, you know, losing their homes, their life savings. Yeah. I mean, those are real stories, right? Yeah. yeah. Or even just um, for a parent to have to give up a job in order to oh. take care of a child and and managing managing the medical protocols and doctors and taking care of somebody who is too sick to take care of themselves, that's a hidden cost of Lyme disease. That's not even the cost of the medicine and the doctor visits. So there's, there's a layer of costs that it is costing individuals and families. And in your case, you talked about partnerships, or, you know, yeah. it affects yeah. those as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we were very blessed in that. Um, and I went in, I put the first doctor visit for Catherine, my daughter, Catherine's uh, Lyme literate doctor on my credit card and had no idea how we we're going to move forward paying for this. Um, I will say that there are a lot of wonderful foundations 
that provide grants for children with Lyme disease and young adults. I'm, I don't know about older people. That need, they need grants just as much. But we are very grateful to some of the organizations like Limelight Foundation, Lime Aid for Kids. Um, there's just different, or, Lime Tap provides funding for testing. So there are organizations that are helping with the cost, but it's not enough. And, it, and for our case, it was for people who are young. I didn't see a lot out there for older people. Well, there's not. Um, and, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that there isn't a need for it, right? There's you absolutely know, a need for it. Yeah. Um, we are finding, though, and I and I don't think the statistics have changed very much. I mean, I would love to continue this. So I think we should go ahead and skip this break. Um, we are finding that uh, out of whatever kind of demographic you can find, that uh, children are in the in the highest risk category. And it would make perfect sense when you think about that, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my daughter was out climbing the oak tree in go. my backyard. Yep. She let the dogs in her bed as she read yep. them stories at night. She's, yep. you know, making little fairy houses in the leaf litter. And I'm thinking, what an idyllic childhood, her running all over the place in the tall grass and picking flowers and all the things that we associate with giving our children the best, you know, out in the natural world that we want for them. And not having any concept about even just basic protection against Lyme disease or checking her every night for ticks when she, I mean, there's things that you can do so that your kids can still enjoy being in nature, but be protected. Well, and you know, even with this now latest information, and this is really kind of the kicker for me, even with this information, I think there's still a level of denial and I understand why. Because people don't want to be that afraid to be out in nature. Yeah. But even going out in the garden and doing weeding and cutting the bushes back, folks just don't think, wow, I live in the state of New Jersey. It doesn't really matter. I'm just going out there and I'm just going to knock down a bunch of weeds and I'm just going to pull this out of the ground. And, you know, maybe then we'll, we'll pile up the leaves and, you know, I'm not really doing yeah. that. I put. I put when I go out to do yard work, I put on what I call my Lyme hazmat suit because once you've experienced Lyme disease, it is so real. And you know, and I the only time I wear skinny jeans, I wear skinny jeans and I put socks up to my knees and I wear uh, rubber boots and I spray uh, insect repellent and I go out and then as soon as I come in, those clothes go right into the laundry and I jump in the shower and I check for ticks. I used to love hiking in the woods and, and gardening and being outdoors. I will not go out unless I have what I call my hazmat suit on. And I consider it, you know, I actually feel like I'm putting my life at risk to mow the lawn for my family, but I don't want to let the grass grow so the ticks can go in. And it's that, it's that profoundly debilitating when you have Lyme disease or you see, and of course, once you, you're, you have a child with Lyme disease, you meet other people who have had it. So you start yeah. to, to know more and more about uh, just how, how much it affects people and debilitating it is. I can't speak highly enough of simply using protection. We have to use protection for other at-risk behavior. There That's needs right. to be a campaign to use protection. It doesn't mean don't go garden. It means just garden wisely so you don't end up not being able to get out of bed at all. Yeah, and don't think you're going to be oblivious from this or going to be exempt from this or going to think it's not me. You know, yeah. and I think that's really, I think you touched upon this earlier and, and let's get back and talk about this again. 
you know, um, not not are you just coming on radio shows like this, but you're you're like, you know, you've stepped out in the world and you're talking about this more and more and more. Um, you know, the thing I love is that the next level for us here is to create an educational campaign that's done in a way that we're going to be able to get people's attention because it Mm -hmm. is a scary proposition, isn't it? Just to find out about it. You know, how is it that you are now taking this conversation to the street, so, so to speak? Mm -hmm. You're asking me how I'm taking it to the street. Yeah. Um, So how I'm getting the word out in other words. Yeah. How are you getting the word out? Yeah, well, I'm doing it through just a variety of ways, through radio, through um, social media. The book has really been the platform um, that I've used most because it is a story of hope. And I think the fear can overwhelm people. It can overwhelm me. And to really just go back to having faith and hope and perseverance. Um, But the book has really been my platform for getting the word out and doing it in a way that's positive, because another thing that I found um, in my own encounters with the Lyme community that was hard for me to take in is there's a level of anger there that I completely understand and that's Mm. completely justified, but it's not always productive to have anger um, or to project it. And so for me, it was really about writing a story that's honest and clear and direct, but at the same time, you know, where am I putting my hope? And that goes back to that spiritual conversation we had earlier um, and and looking in that way for hope versus that something's going to change. Cause it's not good. Even if, even if everything changed about Lyme disease, the way we want it to, it's not going to happen for a while. It has to happen at some point. The breakthrough has got to happen. It can't continue like this. You can only defend a lie for so long. And there's too many people standing for the truth of what's happening with this disease. Um, but within that, my voice is a little voice of hope. And again, it goes back to throwing that rock in the pond and the ripple. It may just be a small effect. Who knows how big or small it will be. But if one person has changed, then I've done my job. Um, If one person is given hope to walk through their battle with Lyme disease or their child sickness as well. Well, here we are. And we're talking about many, many things. And I think it's really important for us to do that. Um, I would love to ask you, um, and certainly all of you listening, it, this is a book and it is it is written so beautifully. I agree with you. It, you cannot put the book down. Once you pick it up, that's it. You're, you're kind of in. And it's very easy to read, albeit quite painful at times because it is so real. And I, I wanted to ask you if there were uh, if I said to you, listen, Eliza, I'm going to give you three wishes, three wishes. What would those wishes look like for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I know. <laughs> Who knew, right? Have more wishes? No. <laughs> yes. Thank you. There you go. Well, <laughs> if it was for the book. I mean, you know, I talked earlier that my faith is driven in Christianity so that that would be that people would really would really just be reconciled with Jesus, because I really, truly believe that that is where life and hope and, um, you know, that is where I have just found my strength, my life, my hope. And it has been transformative for me in every single way and given me the power and strength to walk through. So I want people to hear that story and not have the typical 
closed mind and closed door to Christianity, but really see it lived out as what it really is, nitty gritty in life, walking through suffering and to break down some of the barriers that's happened um, between people, whether it's their own personal hurt or their perceptions of what Christianity look like. And then another hope would be, or wish would be the same thing for Lyme disease, for the barriers to be broken down and for people to really get the diagnostics and treatment that they need. This is a desperate situation for people. My daughter had the um, blessing of having a mother who could fight for her and advocate for her. Not everybody has that person on their side fighting and advocating for them. And I could not imagine being as sick as she is having to navigate this herself. And so my second wish or hope would be that the roof would just be blown off Lyme disease and the research would be put in. It really wouldn't be that hard to fund the research. The money is there. It's just where it's being prioritized. The knowledge is there. It's just this horrible infighting between doctors that, you know, that's just gone to the point of crazy town. And then I think my third hope would be, or wish, would just be that um, that people, I, you know, I don't know. Those are my two main ones. I don't necessarily have a third one. I guess that would be more personal and private in my own heart for my own daughter, just that her life would be free of this type of, you know, she's gone through so much pain and suffering that my third hope, prayer, wish would be just for her life to be blessed and to not. She's done her time of suffering so to have some freedom from that moving forward. Um, so that's a more personal, but yeah. Yeah. the spiritual and the disease are the two areas that just are closest to my heart. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to ask that question is because I noticed uh, 10 years ago, I was asked that question and how yeah. I answered that question 10 years ago. Uh, it's not a million degrees different from how I answer it today. I will tell you the thing that has become uh, extremely important, and, and, and you nailed it. I mean, there is a spiritual aspect of healing mm -hmm. that we need to talk way more about, mm -hmm. way more about. Uh, but what you're doing is so honoring, and I wanted to just thank you for that. And make sure that, you know, we can help you carry this story forward. Because when all is said and done, you know, Eastern medicine, Western medicine, insurance, no insurance, this is really about saving lives, isn't it? It is absolutely about saving lives. I mean, one thing we haven't talked about is that, that my daughter's story culminates in her being in the pediatric intensive care unit fighting for her life, we were told that if we had arrived 30 minutes later to the ER, she would not be here right now. Right. And they prepared me, your daughter's going home. They didn't say it this way, but they prepared me that she wouldn't come home. I was going to say your daughter's coming home in a casket, but that's how it felt to me. But their words were prepare yourself. She's resistant to, um, you know, she had sepsis, which is an infection of the blood and it's deadly. And it can be deadly quickly. And it was coming up resistant to antibiotics. And there have been either what we talked about earlier through just such devastation and despair. Suicide is not uncommon to Lyme patients, but also complications of treatment. Um, and I believe it's a di direct result of this divide and that we've been talking about um, where you have to only get as much medicine as you can pay for. And for a lot of people, that's really scraping it together and not adequate. 
And there's a lot of very tragic things that happen as a result of treatment. Um, you know, I can only speak for my daughter's story, but I've heard others of, of that did not end as well as no. ours. So no. this is this is a life or death yeah. situation for people. Yeah. It is. And it's a life and death situation because we're not even talking about the people that are diagnosed with ALS, rheumatoid mm-hmm. arthritis, fibromyalgia, MS. Right. That if you talk to Dr. Klinghart, he will say that it's all Lyme. Thank mm-hmm. you so very much for today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I can't tell everybody enough, enough. The book is Paris and Oakland. Eliza, I, I want to thank you. Thanks. Thanks for all of us for doing this. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on today. Thank you. All right. We're going to, you know, we're going to listen. We don't just interview people. We support them. Stay tuned, everybody. We've got much more to come. We're going to let you know how you can get your copy of Paris and Oakland. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili. Epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. For more information, visit LimeTalkRadio.com and tune in next time.